We continue with the Daily Sports Feed on ESPN Harrisonburg. I am Dave Riggert. It's a pleasure to have you along. Obviously, we were talking earlier in the show about uh, the passing of Lou Campanelli, the JMU Hall of Famer that coached at JMU from 72 to 85, had tremendous success, and obviously we are we're saddened by this news that happened yesterday. But I wanted to talk more about Coach Campanelli, and who better than Gary Michael to come on? He was a longtime SID at James Madison. Again, he went to school at JMU, came back and, and worked there. Still helps out during during game days for a lot of different things. Gary, how are you, sir? Doing well. How are you? Good. I, I, I'm glad to have you on and talk about this. And I, I'm guessing this was pretty sad news for you, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. I think we, you know, think everyone knew it was inevitable that he had, you know, had health issues and had heard uh, he had gone into hospice a while back. So, you know, you know that's uh, that's not a good sign. Well, I guess before we get into his impact and, and what he meant to JMU over the years, because I know he meant so much and is probably one of the, the most influential people in, in James Madison athletics, but just talk about him as a human being. I, I know you had some interactions. You didn't work real close with him, but you were around. You were you're going to school there during his early days. Um, you were on the, the SID staff late in his tenure at JMU. Just talk about Coach Campanelli as a person. Well, I think what you think about most is as being an outstanding basketball coach, but just the uh, the passion he had for what he did, building the program. Uh, you know, it was you know it was his second family. I mean, just uh, to um, everything that he could pour into it. Uh, he certainly was a great family guy. Had you know, good wife, uh, great kids. Uh, it turned out well. But uh, you know, basketball was that second life that meant so much to him, and, and it was his baby. Uh, you know, I think is a way that he would refer to it, and you know, took it from you know almost the beginning. Um, Dean Ayler's the previous uh, 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 athletic director at that time had recruited some of the players uh, before Lou got here. Before they hired him, it was the first scholarship group of players. So he, um, you know, JMU started scholarships that year, eighty-two, um, seventy-two, seventy-three. He had the first group and uh, and built from there. But just the passion. That the, you know the way he went about it, it meant so much to him, and uh, you know just you know what he could build, and you know just a chance to make a mark. Okay, we're talking with Gary Michael, former SID at James Madison, still helps out with some of their game day operations. But uh, talking about Lou Campanelli, as again he passed away on Tuesday at the age of eighty-four, and you know talk about the program again. You weren't uh, you were going to school. You graduated in the seventy-seven, so you came when when Coach was in his early tenure. But he took over in seventy-two, and it was. It was a non-scholarship program, and then all of a sudden he turns into what it is. What what was the program like? Because I know you're a historian. You've gone back and looked. What was the program like in 72 when he took over? Well, again, that was the first group of scholarship players. So he had, okay. I believe it was six six freshmen. So you had a lot of people that had been there and played for several years, and all of a sudden you're bringing in scholarship people. So it was it was changing very, very quickly. I mean, you look back at statistics and you'll find – People averaging in double figures, uh, you know, their freshman or sophomore year, and all of a sudden, juniors or seniors, they're not playing because they've been over recruited. You, you started giving the scholarships and getting a different uh, different level of player, but uh, you know, immediately there were some you know some people that made you know huge contributions. His second second recruiting class brought in Sherman Dillard, who uh, went on to become the school's all time leading scorer. He has been since surpassed but uh, scored over 2,000 points. Uh, so you were bringing in a few more of those people each year. You could see the, you know, they're just the, the constant building. And then by 76, 77, um, you know, all of a sudden you're Division One, 
And uh, I don't know that Coach Campanelli was expecting that. I think he was surprised. I think you see that in his book if you go back and read it, uh, that um, former President Dr. Carrier called him into the office one day and said, uh, I think we'll go Division I. Uh, I think Coach Campanelli was surprised by that, but uh, you know, ready to go, and you know, embraced it, and just the, you know, the chance to chance to move on. No question. Again, we're talking to Gary Michael, former SID at JMU, as he is talking about Coach Campanelli as he passed away again on Tuesday. And you know, you were a student there when, when this was happening, and they made the move to Division One in the seventy six seventy seven campaign. What was I think a lot of young people just look at JMU as a football school from the last twenty years, but. This was a basketball school, wasn't it? I mean, there, there's so much tradition and history in the 70s and 80s, and, and mainly because of what Coach Campanelli did and, and Lefty and everything like that. But how was it during during that time as far as students going and the atmosphere at basketball games? Uh, Godwin Hall was a wild place. Um, <laughs> it took a while. It took a while to get there, but it was you know it was an unbelievable place at times. And think about. 5,000 people in that building with the low ceiling. I can remember being a student, and there were ones of us standing in the top pounding on the ceiling. (laughs) That aluminum-type ceiling made a lot of noise, and uh, there was a night the officials actually stopped the game because it was so noisy. I can't tell you who that was against, but we were there. Uh, it It was a wild environment, um, and it carried over then, you know, to the convocation center. You mentioned that, that, he was surprised by the move to Division One in seventy six, seventy seven, but but he was willing to accept it and and, and and go full force into it because again, there's a lot of success early in his tenure at the Division One level, and that's not easy to do coming from Division Two. Uh, he he it seemed like he was the perfect person to to, to make that transition. Well, thanks so. for just uh, you know outstanding coach. I mean, that's the bottom line. Uh, you know, combine the you know outstanding coaching ability. Um, the desire that he had, the passion he had for it, and he had some pretty good assistant coaches. I mean, certainly give uh, some of those people credit as they moved to Division One. You know, one of the very key people involved there was Bill Leatherman, who had been a local high school coach. Um, you don't really have the term in basketball, but Bill would have been the defensive coordinator. And uh, you know, for the years that he was with Coach Campanelli, he later took a head coaching job at Bridgewater when Coach Campanelli moved to California. But, uh, you know, Bill provided, um, you know, a great balance, you know, with Coach Campanelli. I think uh, Coach, with the, the passion he had, the coaching ability that he did have, and then, you know, Bill's uh, defensive abilities there and everything that went into that, that's what the team, you know, really you know, hung its hat on during the NCAA years, which is, you know, a great defensive unit. Well, and, and um, yeah, and one of those games, uh, what they lost to Carolina 52-50, so obviously a, a, a defensive team there, but... Talk about that run. You had just been hired back, and again, you weren't working with basketball, but you were around it. When they made it in 81, 82, and 83, won tournament games every year. Um, what were they beat Georgetown in 81, Ohio State in 82, 83, they took down West Virginia, and again, played Jordan Worthy, Sam Perkins, and those guys, and lost by just two points. I'm, that had to be such a magical little stretch of basketball those three years. Well, it really was, and you were, you know, generally speaking, you were in every game. Um, Virginia had that was the Ralph Sampson era. At Virginia, played a number of out, you know, just outstanding basketball games with Virginia. Uh, they came to Godwin Hall, uh, won by a point um, in the eighty-one, eighty-two, or the eighty-eighty-one season. Uh, we played them twice in eighty-one, eighty-two in the Richmond tournament, times dispatch tournament that they used to have. Um, 
we were down a point, I think, with about six minutes to go and didn't score again. Got beat by about 12 and then went to Virginia the next week, played another, you know, very close game. Uh, Virginia was the second game ever in the Convocation Center. Um, one of the reasons that we sold out the Convocation Center that year. Uh, but just, it was, a, it was a magical time that you expected to be in every game. And you know, I think it's a little arrogant on, you know, some of the people like me. Uh, we went to that third tournament against West Virginia and, you know, they're seated seven, we're seated 10, and oh, we're going to win that game. I mean, you really thought, you know, yeah. hey, we're going to play the same way we do in every tournament, and we're going to win that game. Uh, now, we kind of got it handed to us the next two nights later when Carolina beat us bad. I think uh, they they learned their lesson in the 52-50 <laughs> game and said, hey, we got these guys figured out, too, and uh-huh. you know, Dean Smith did some good things, too. Yeah, he could coach a little bit, <laughs> no question. We're talking to Gary Michael as we uh, take a look back at Lou Campanelli and his time at James Madison. As again, he passed away on Tuesday at the age of 84. Just uh, such an influential figure in the history of James Madison athletics. And, you know, what what was – you mentioned how they were a defensive team, but was there something else about Coach Campanelli's team that you could always depend on that, that if, if you watched him play, that was Coach Campanelli's team? Is there something that they kind of hung their hat on besides defense? Well, they were going to be structured and, and prepared, and you know they knew, you know they knew what they needed to do and and play that way. And you know, I remember going to West Virginia a few years later, and we hadn't played West Virginia for a, a few years after that NCAA game. And I heard some guys talking behind the scores table. Said, "Well, we played these guys back in the tournament. They had to hold the, they beat us, but they had to hold the ball. <laughs> well, you know, it wasn't a it wasn't a slowdown. It was a deliberate attack." Uh, we weren't going to. They weren't going to during those years. weren't going to rush things, but it wasn't a, a stall, an all-out hold the ball. Hey, we're going to, you know, beat you thirty-eight to thirty-six kind of thing. But you had to, that game against West Virginia that I can remember. If if there was such a thing as time of possession for basketball, I think um, West Virginia had the ball more than we did. There wasn't <laughs> a shot clock, yeah. and we just changed defenses. You know, every time down the floor, it seemed, and you would see West Virginia just look at look at, hey, what is this? And then back off and say, well, this is how we're supposed to attack that. And just, you know, just being that you forced them to be deliberate because they had to recognize what you were doing. We're talking to Gary Michael, former SID at James Madison, as we talk about Lou Campanelli. And, you know, as his tenure wound down at JMU, was there was there some thought that he would look to to a different job? And eventually he, he eventually took the Cal job in 1985. Was that a surprise or, or was that kind of expected after his tenure? I think it was expected. I mean, he was his name was coming up. You know, he was in his middle forties, I guess, and you know, his name was coming up with almost every job. It seemed like it opened up. It, you know, whether he was an actual candidate or not, you didn't know. But his name was tied to to any number of places, so it was not a surprise at all. Well, and, and that's that just talks about how good of a coach he was and what he did at JMU to, to have his name thrown around and put in the hat uh, for so many jobs. And then he went to California. They weren't very good when he took over that. And I think it's going to four uh, four postseason tournaments, a couple of NCAA appearances in the eight years that he was there. So he continued continued to to have a ton of success. But um, you know, just talk about his. His influence on on James Madison athletics for from his time to seventy two to eighty five and just what he meant not just to basketball but to the athletic department was he is he one of the most influential figures? Well, I think so, and and maybe not just basketball, maybe the school in general, mm-hmm. um, or maybe not just athletics. But I remember Sheila Mormon in one of our Hall of Fame meetings when we were 
inducting, I think, the uh, 81-82 team into the JMU Athletics Hall of Fame. She said, "That's you know, looking back at what they, what the men's team was doing, that's one of the reasons that I came here. Um, that it uh, you know showed that there was a commitment to athletics, uh, that you could win, and uh, it, that was how I got to know about you know what you know what JMU might be. And so I think it and and that you know translates to students, uh, you know, just just the visibility." Uh, so it it all goes hand in hand as you as you try to build. Well, and that's one thing you mentioned that 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 <laughs> he showed people that you can win here. And, and, and we look at JMU now, and again, I'm obviously just a couple years in and, and have gotten to know the history and tradition and everything. But all of the programs expect to win, and and people know you can win here. And it's a it's a tremendous job for any 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 coach that comes here or whatever the the, the position is at, at JMU. But back then it was different, and for him to show and kind of that, hey, you can do it here if you do it the right way. That kind of led to, to to what it is right now. Well, I think you know, I think you're right there, and uh, just it, um, coaches say, hey, yeah, this this can be a good place. There's an opportunity here. There's support here. Um, you know, he, you know, Coach Campanelli had a lot of help. Uh, Dean Aylers was a, an outstanding uh, athletic director. Had uh, you know great connections, knew people around the country. Uh, no one was more committed to uh, uh, athletics than Dr. Carrier, and the, you know the support that he provided there, and uh, you know, just whatever he, you know things he could do to help out. Coach Campanelli, you know, talked about coming in to to meet with um, Dr. Carrier, and um, you know Dr. Carrier would go and would go on some recruiting trips with them. Um, just you know, they, it's probably not legal these days, but things <laughs> that you could do, and. Uh, Dr. Carrier said at one time they were recruiting a kid in Southwest Virginia, and Dr. Carrier was from East Tennessee. And he said, I had to go down and talk mountain to the kids for him. <laughs> help him out. You got this New Jersey guy coming in, and I got to, you know, I got to go down and talk mountain and help him out here. And so he had, he had a lot of help. And, yeah, you know, sure. there were a lot of things that, uh, that went into it. So just, uh, you know, just an outstanding uh, combination of things that, uh, you know, a growing school, a commitment from the administration. And then a, you know, a solid basketball coach. One thing that that I've talked to a few people just about him is that he always recruited just tremendous human beings. He brought in great kids, and and, and great coaches usually do that. And and that's did you see that through his time when you were when you were around him? Yeah, I think so. And you, know, you see that that you know, you know some of the, a lot of the people that are still involved, uh, you know, still so interested in what you do, and uh, yeah, they've all you know most of them have turned out very well. He authored a book, Dare to Dream, How James Madison University Became Co-Ed and Shocked the Basketball World. came out in 2015. Jason has a copy. He's going to let me read it. So he, I hope he brings it on the trip this weekend. But but talk about, I know you've read it, and, and what are some of the things, are there some things you found out in that book that maybe you didn't even know? Well, I found out I wished he would have let me edit it. He was uh, <laughs> a typical basketball coach that has a... Uh, um, a memory that's exaggerated a little bit at times, but but, but it's a great read. I mean, it, it tells you, it gives you the feel of of you know what went into it, the, the passion that he did have, and you know, I went through it you know so quickly. It's just uh, because well, partly because I lived so much of it too, being a right. student and an and an employee. But I thought it was a thought it was a great read. I thought the person who worked with him did an outstanding job, and but it just gives you a you know a really good feel about his background and. You know what went into everything, and it's uh, again a very easy read, I think, and I highly recommend anybody 
you know, who's you know, really interested in that period of JMU athletics to go back and look at it. Yeah, no question. Again, it's called Dare to Dream, how James Madison University became co-ed and shocked the basketball world. Is um, heard tons of good things about it. Hopefully I can get my hands on that this weekend. But, Gary, anything else about Coach that, that, that you want to get out to our listeners and this that, that you remember about him? Well, again, I think it's just, you know, it's just the passion. And I remember running into him. We played, we played his, I guess it was his last California team. Played in a tournament, <laughs> really? um, up in at uh, Seton Hall, I believe it was. And I remember driving in that day, getting out of the car. And he, I think he was the first person I saw. So, you know, I, again, I didn't work with him that directly as all the time at JMU, but he's, you know, I'm like the first person he saw, and he's yelling at me, "Hey, Gary!" You know, and just, uh, so, I mean, he, he was a he was a, a very very good person. It, sometimes it was hard to get to know. There was a, a little bit of a brashness about him. But uh, when you got beyond that, uh, you know, you know, all good things. That's most coaches. Uh, <laughs> that's kind of how it is sometimes with them. But again, Coach Campanelli, one of the most influential people ever in James Madison athletics, James Madison University. Again, he died on Tuesday at the age of 84. Gary, thank you so much for some memories of Coach Campanelli. I appreciate your time, and hopefully we'll catch up again soon. You're very welcome.